You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord, and I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter number 6. So uh, we're going back somewhere where we've already been, uh, where you are probably familiar with, and if you're not familiar with, that's all right, but I hope that you are familiar with, because this is elementary. This is, this is the base level of competency is in the believer's life. This is fundamental. And so the Lord gives us to this, uh, gives us this in, in what we have titled the Sermon on the Mount, where the Lord teaches. And in chapter 6, he goes through uh, three different categories, giving, prayer, and fasting. And so tonight, the title of this study is going to be uh, Pray Like this, because in verse 9 he says, after this manner pray ye. Pray like this. A lot of the modern translations, I think it's the ESV, says pray then like this. Some of them, they, they update the manner, whatever, but pray like this. So turn to somebody and tell them this is how you pray. Tell them this is how you pray. Now, Sunday night we weren't in service, and I don't know if you got the memo or the message. I had my wife send a message on Facebook in uh, uh, the church in Alexandria, Pastor Anthony Mangan was praying through the tabernacle, which was a pattern of prayer that his father, the late G.A. Mangan, uh, prayed every single day of his life. And he took the tabernacle plan and he prayed the tabernacle plan. And Brother Mangan has carried that, uh, uh, Pastor Anthony Mangan has carried that in his personal practice in life. And so he illustrated it for his church, a way to pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that. That was powerful. How many caught that? How many got a chance to tune in on that and see that? If you did not, I would encourage you to go back to the link and pull that up sometime this week and uh, make it your prayer time. Set your phone, pull it up, set your phone down, and pray right along with him. It was very, very powerful. Uh, my wife and I both, we were in two different areas of the house and uh, as, as we were doing things, and we both had our own prayer meetings. And I came out of the garage and come in, and we had both just been praying, and the Lord, it was a powerful thing. And so find that, put that on your docket. I was so thankful that they shared that because you can go back to that time and time again. And there's many ways that you can pray. There's many prayers that have been prayed in Scripture that are all powerful, all wonderful, and you may have your own. Uh, we have handouts out there with the prayer wheel and other things. But this is what we have titled the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus tells us, pray like this. So I think that this, for me, trumps everything. You can pray anyway. Sometimes you don't follow this pattern. and You've got a prayer for a specific thing, and it goes right into something. But as a general rule, this becomes my fallback. This becomes my go-to. This trumps everything because the Lord gives us the things to pray. Now, He's not giving us the words so that we would memorize the words and just recite the words but he said after this manner so he's giving us the concept the ideas here that he puts in words for us summarizes so we can expound them and some days you have more more days to pray than others we're going to read through here in a moment it's not even going to take us maybe 90 seconds to read through if you pray a 90 second prayer in your day if you have a relationship with God, God's going, it's about communication, God's going to get it. 
but I'm going to expound on a little bit of these and the concepts. So tonight we're looking at more concepts. And so that's what you have in your handout. You have five fundamental concepts, five fundamental things that the Lord gives us in prayer. And so we're going to look at this tonight. But I want us right now, let's just ask the Lord to be with us. Can you pray with me tonight? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, to magnify you, to be with your people. But I pray in these next few moments that the Word of God would enlighten our life and strengthen us, give us direction, God. Let the tool, the spiritual tool, be quickened in our hands, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. Amen. Tonight's good to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's go to Matthew chapter number 6, and we'll begin at verse number 9. Now, for the sake of time, I'm cutting through some things. But when Christ begins this section or discourse on prayer, He says, when you pray, and He gives us some things not to do. Don't pray as the hypocrites do. Don't pray as the Gentiles do. He goes through some things. Those are good things to go back and to study and to examine. What is that in our life? But let's cut right to it tonight where he says, pray like this. Verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Took me about 90 seconds to go through. But tonight I want to break this down and look at what Christ was giving us. This is tools in the arsenal of your spiritual warfare. So let's begin. Our Father, which art in heaven. He begins the prayer, the example of prayer, the template of prayer for us. He tells us to begin it with a declaration of God. A declaration of God. We start out, our Father, which art in heaven. You cannot pray to God unless first, you have faith in God. First, you've got to know and understand there is a God. And in the very act of prayer, it is not just ceremony. It is not just ritual. But there is something every time that we pray. We are declaring. We are going on record in our own life, maybe even at times in front of others, that there is a God. Our Father which art in heaven. We are acknowledging that He is supreme. We are acknowledging that He is supernatural. He's not of this earth. He's not of this world. He's not a Father of this earth. He is our Father in heaven. He is our Father. He is our Creator. We are declaring that we are but creation. He is the Creator. He is the Father. He has no father. He is the father. 
There is no one that was before him. He is God all by himself. In that, there is a declaration. He is the self-existent one. He is the one. He, he, nobody turns him on, winds him up. Nobody puts batteries in him. He is God all by himself. We need strength. God needs no strength. He is God all by Himself. And then in coming to that, our declaration of Him is not only an acknowledgement, but it is also us coming to Him as His children. We're not coming as sinners. Are we sinners? Yes. We may be sinners in need of mercy and grace, but we are coming to Him as His children. Now, I know that there are people sometimes that have made prayers and they've started out, God, if you're real. <laughs> you ever prayed a prayer like that? Maybe when you were a kid and you are still trying to figure everything out. Maybe it wasn't that long ago. And you pray, God, if you're real. And, and you bring to God your humanity and you bring to God your doubts and your inability. But in stepping out in prayer, even though you may not have understanding and even though you may not have revelation, fullness of revelation, there is something powerful. Even when somebody says, God, if you're real, <laughs> there is a hope in that statement. Because you're not going to pray to God and say, God, if you're real, unless you are hoping that He is real. God, I'm hoping that you are real. I don't know how it works out, but I'm hoping that you're beyond the clouds somewhere. I'm hoping you're beyond the darkness of my situation. And God, I am coming because I am in need of you. I am desperate for you. There's even in that statement, God, if you're real, there's a declaration of faith. There is a hope that is falling upon God. I'm going to tell you, every time we come to prayer, I start with declaring, God, you are great. And it's amazing. Can I tell you, when you start your prayer, God, you are the Father. You are the creator of my soul. You are the master of the universe. Sometimes what I kneel down to pray for, when I start praying who He is, and I start declaring who He is, all of a sudden when I pull my problem up to present it before God, it's almost like, God, I don't even need to pray about it anymore because I just reminded myself that you're God and you've got the whole world in your hands and everything's going to be all right. And there is power when we declare who He is. That's why when we come into the house of the Lord on Sunday or on Wednesday night, we open up with worship, declaring who He is. He's a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve, the old timers used to sing. What a mighty God we serve. There's something about when you sing how great and mighty He is that all of a sudden your fear melts. Amen. Your anxiety disappears and you stand strong in the confidence of the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house tonight. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. He is a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Amen. Now, we could go into that a little bit more. We understand. You've heard me say this before. Through that declaration, we acknowledge that we do not serve God in isolation because we're not saying, my Father. We're saying, our Father. Amen? I'm not any better than anybody else. I need God just as much as anybody else. Amen? And so there's, even, there's, more, there's more to unfold even in that. Sometimes I pray in that vein, and I'll get on that, and I'll say, God... You're our Father. Lord, I need you, but I know there's other people that need you too. And Lord, I don't want to come to you as an only child 
with this attitude that nobody else matters. Because God, I matter to you, but so does my brother. And so does my sister. And what a wonderful God He is because He's never overloaded with prayer. He, he never has to tell one child, hold on a minute, I'm dealing with this one. No, He's the God. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you can call out tonight here, but over on the other, world, other part of the world somewhere right now, they may be having church on Thursday morning already, prayer meeting Thursday morning, and God is there with them at that same time. And so sometimes I pray in that. What a wonderful thing. And sometimes I don't even get past that. But if you do get past that, we go on to the next, the next category, the next main uh, uh, theme that God gives us. And the next thing I will break down into three desires, let's say, three desires for Him. Three desires for the Lord. So we declared who He was, and that leads us then into three desires for the Lord. Those three desires are this. First, the first desire is, Hallowed be thy name. That's the first desire. This is my desire. We're declaring, is he worthy? Absolutely he's worthy. But now it's a statement. God, my desire is that your name be hallowed, that your name be praised, that your name be sacred, that your name be reverenced. Hallowed be thy name. In my life, not only in my life, but in this world. Let there be an awesomeness in the name of the Lord. The, Jesus understood something. His name is not just a title. It's not just an identifier, but it is revelation. Amen? The name of God is revelation. At every step of the le uh, 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 along the Old Testament, God was revealing Himself. He starts off with Moses. I am that I am. Amen. Or, well, he goes on even before that. Uh, Noah, and, and, and you could go back to Noah, and you could go back uh, uh, before that time, even to Adam in the garden. He was revealing himself to Abraham. He says, uh, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the one that provides. There was revelation in that. To Moses, I am that I am. There was so much power in that. And, and, and then he goes on. We could go through the names of God every step. Uh, Isaiah would prophesy in Isaiah 9 and 6. He was saying, Messiah is going to come. And he gives us a glimpse. For unto us is born a son or a child. And unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He was letting us know some things about his authority and his identity. But then in the New Testament, the angels tell Joseph, that you will name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Literally, what we would say, the Old Testament, Jehovah has become my salvation. There was a revelation in that. And Jesus was saying, when you pray, you pray, hallowed be thy name. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the revelation of who God is. I don't have to just stop at my point of saying, God, if you're real, do this. I can know Him. And I know He's a healer. And when I need a provider, I know He's a provider. And when I need a way maker, He's a way maker. And when I need a peace speaker, He's a peace speaker. And when I need a light, He is light. Hallelujah. He is the Word of God. Amen. Come down and dwell inside of my life. We could go on. His name has revelation. So I want His name 
to be praised in my life. I want His name to be sacred in my life. I don't want to take the name of the Lord in vain. Amen? So we often say don't take the name of the Lord in vain. And, and, and the Lord's name for so many today uh, uh, has become a byword. It's become a curse word. And something that people just say is a curse word. Isn't it interesting? I don't know. Do, do, do they use other deities and other religions? Do they use those names as curse words? Uh, isn't it interesting <laughs> that man uses the name of the Lord as a curse word, as a byword? Amen. So I don't want to take the name of the Lord in vain. I don't want that to be something that I just use as a curse word with, with some kind of disregard, mockery, some kind of a mockery to God. No, but not only do I not want to say it in vain, but I don't want to live it in vain. I'm, I, I am a child of the King. The name of the Lord has been applied to my life. When I was buried in baptism, I took the name of the Lord upon my life. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. What's that mean? Don't go be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and everything God's done for you. Let that be rolled back and go back to your old ways and live, amen, without regard for who God is. No, I don't want to live. I don't want to take the name of the Lord in vain in my life. Hallowed be thy name. That ought to be your prayer every day. God, I'm a child of God. I've been washed in the blood. Don't let me return to the things you saved me from. But hallowed be thy name. Don't let me live in vain. But let your name be hallowed in my life. Somebody said amen. Second desire towards him is thy kingdom come. This is his desire. Thy kingdom come. Come, this ought to be our desire. Lord, my desire is that your kingdom come. As we see here in Scripture, there is a kingdom in heaven, and it's God's kingdom. In His heavenly kingdom, He reigns supreme. But on earth, He doesn't reign supreme. Man has free will. Man can choose to reject God, to disavow God, to not acknowledge God, to go after his own ways. Man can succumb to the prince and the power of the air. He can involve himself in wickedness. And so on earth, God's kingdom is not established yet. Men seek their own kingdom. <laughs> we live in the day and age where people are seeking their own kingdom. Everybody wants their own fame. It's all about themselves. Even in Christianity, so much of modern Christianity is more about us than it really is about Him. But here we're praying God's kingdom. We are desiring His kingdom, His perfect kingdom, His kingdom in heaven. We're wanting Him to enlarge His territories and invite the kingdom of the Lord upon earth because in His kingdom there is righteousness, there's peace, and there is joy. Amen. When you've been in the world and you've tasted of the world, or you've just acknowledged the world within yourself, you get weary with the wickedness of this world. And there is a desire in your heart for the righteousness of God. There is a desire in your soul for the joy that He brings, for the peace that He provides. We are, amen, seeking the kingdom of God. Paul said this in Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy 
in the Holy Ghost. We want the kingdom of God to come down and rule in our life. Pay attention to the news. The problems of this world are not problems that God caused. They are not problems that, that just happened. They are the results and the products of human pride, human greed, human lust. And this is what happens. This is what really happens in the world. We have enough uh, seed uh, uh, in, in uh, the state of Iowa. A bunch of farmers up there. A bunch of the farming seed companies. They have in the ground, they have vats and vaults of seed. In case of nuclear attack and the annihilation of masses of the world's population, they storehouse enough seed to feed the world, to feed any survivors that are there. It's crazy to think about. That happens today. And they do that. And yet while we're storehousing seed to feed the world, in case of nuclear wiping out of massive vegetation, yet there are people that are starving. Governments, amen, that are dysfunctional, where people starve. The world is, people are not starving because there's not enough food in the world. They starve because of men's greed and men's, and men's lust and men's desire for power. Uh, uh, we could talk about many different illustrations, but if you read the news, just pay attention. It happens. But what we're praying is for the kingdom of God to come, where His kingdom is righteousness. There is no wickedness. There is no greed and no pride. We're praying for His kingdom to come. Righteousness, peace, amen, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now to us Americans, to us Westerners, let me say this. We are praying for the kingdom of God. We are not praying for a democracy. I'm not praying for the kingdom of God to be a I'm not praying for the democracy of God where I have an equal vote. No, I'm praying for the kingdom of God where my, uh, my opinion doesn't matter. Where I'm yielding over, amen, all of my responsibility. I'm not praying, amen, for a constitutional republic. I'm not praying for a kingdom of God that I'll only be a part of if the parameters written are what I decide goes into it. No, I'm praying for the kingdom of God. I'm praying for a king. Now that's contrary to our thinking a lot of times in the West because we, we only know human kings and we only know the abuse of dictatorship. Amen. But He's our Father. He's our Heavenly Father. In Him, amen, is all faithfulness. There is no shadow of turning, no wickedness. So I'm praying for a king that when he speaks whatever he speaks, that happens. I'm yielding my opinions. Hello? Amen? Now, Are you really praying for the kingdom of God? Am I really praying for the kingdom of God? I'll tell you where we can check our heart and see if we're praying for the kingdom of God. When there's problems and trouble in the church, and all of a sudden we start deciding, well, I, I, I don't need the church anymore, or I don't want to do this anymore, and we start pulling up our own human things, and we start fighting again. I'm going to tell you, it's God's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. Well, it gets quiet on Wednesday night sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? 
I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about speaking against evil that happens in the church. I'm talking about things in the church that are out of our territory, out of our comfort zone kind of thing. It's God's kingdom. Can I tell you what this means? You don't get to choose who walks through those back doors. You don't get to choose who comes down to this altar and who is forgiven of sins. You don't get to choose. Amen. We don't have a committee saying, well, we're going to see whether or not you can be a part of the church. No, you are born again of water and of spirit. And whosoever the Son set free shall be free indeed. It's God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. So we have given up. We have given up on man's kingdom. Our hopes lies not with the futility of man's governments. We're forsaking life in man's wicked world, and we are praying in the kingdom of God. I don't want the foolishness of this world. I want the kingdom of God. That's why, as we taught last week, the Word of God has to be our authority for everything. Because we're not building the church based upon man's opinion. Because I can be wrong. I can get it wrong. You can get it wrong. But God never gets it wrong. So, God's kingdom. We are seeking in this earth. I'm not seeking to go to heaven. Well, I am seeking to go to heaven. Let me rephrase that. I am seeking to go to heaven. Not right now. Just I am seeking to go to heaven. But I'm not seeking just to leave. I am praying God's kingdom in earth as it is in heaven. You know what this lets me know? That how we pray and how we respond to the Lord can affect what happens right now. We have a hope beyond this life. I thank God for that. But I can pray right now. I don't have to just say, well, I'm living in misery and someday I won't be in misery anymore. No, I can go to the Lord in prayer right now and say, God, thy kingdom come. You can fight back against the enemy when he comes against your family, when he comes against your home, when he comes against your soul. You can pray God's kingdom right now. You don't have to say, well, I have to wait till I die and pass away. No, I'm praying God's kingdom right now. I'm praying not only your kingdom, we go to the third thing, thy will be done. Let the will of God be done. Let the will of God be done. Let the perfect, all-seeing, all-knowing will of God be done in my life. And so we're praying that into our heart. Thy will be done. Proverbs 14 and 12 says this. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't trust myself. Last night, we were standing out there, and uh, I think it was Jude and Titus, and they were doing trust falls. Have you ever seen him doing trust falls? And uh, Jude, uh, uh, which one's the younger one? Jude is the youngest, right? Titus is the younger one. So Jude, Jude said, trust fall. He said, I want to trust fall. So I, so I held my hands out, and he fell back. But he fell back looking back, too. I said, that's not a trust fall. I said, you can't look. If you're going to do a trust fall, you can't look. So he did it again. And so Titus said, well, I want to trust fall. And Titus fell back into Jude's arms, and he had his head Turn two, and I said, no, that's not a trust fall. And, 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 and Jude was showing Titus. He said, Titus, you got to put your, so he came around in front. He said, Titus, you got to put your hands like this, and then not looking back, and you just got to fall. So Titus standing there, nobody standing behind him, goes like this, and we rushed over and we grabbed him real quick. That's trust. That's trust. 
Estra. I don't trust myself. It's futile for us to trust ourselves. Now, I'd certainly, we have trust issues with other people. And too often we make the mistake of we trust ourselves, but we won't trust anybody else. I'm going to tell you, you're made out of the same earth that I'm made out of. <laughs> and the person next to you is made out of. So you, you're, not, you're not leveling up by trusting yourself and no one else. You've got to put your trust in God. Thy will be done in my life. Next we go to three requests for Him. Three requests from Him. Three requests from Him. So we see declaration of Him, three desires to Him. Now three requests from Him. The first request is this. Give us this day our daily bread. So is it okay to come to God and ask for things? Absolutely it's okay. God instructs us. The Lord Jesus Christ told us to pray for your provisions. So not only is it right, it's good and acceptable to say, God, I'm asking. You say, well, I never want to go to God and tell Him to give me something. Well, the Lord is saying, you need to tell us. You need, you need to speak. to When you pray, you need to say to God, give us this day our daily bread. Give me provision for this day. So I pray. We pray for provision. Pray not only for provision, we pray for protection. How many practice this in your life? You, do you ever pray for provision? God needs you to provide, needs you to supply. And God knows our needs before we ask of them, but he, he invites us. He wants to be a part of this conversation, so He invites us. Now, He did not say, God, I pray I, I win a million dollars in the lottery today. That's not what He said. Okay? And I think sometimes people pervert this context because they say, you know what? I need a plane. God, send me a plane. You don't need a plane. God, I need a mansion. Well, we can come up with whatever thing we need. We, I need this. I need that. You don't need that. More power to you. If the Lord blesses you and, and, and you work by the labor of your hands and you're able to obtain those things, that's fine. But what God is saying is give us this day our daily bread. God, I'm not praying for warehouses of storage of abundance. I'm praying for provision right now. And I'm satisfied when He provides right now. See, too many times we have, we have people that are disappointed. God's already provided for you. People call, Pastor, I need, I need, I need. And they're telling me I need. And, and I, I want to help people in need. I want to help people in need. But sometimes they got more stuff and more things. Is this all right? God, give us this day. Is my heart right? Is my heart right? God, I need this. I need that. Well, I, I, because I don't want to part with this and I don't want to part with that and I don't want to part with all my stuff. Whew. In the West, we, are, we, are, we, live, we have to acknowledge, we have to realize that we live in a materialistic society. Thank God for His blessings. I'm not preaching against blessing. I believe in the blessing of the Lord and I believe in the promise of His Word. I believe in that. But we cannot have so many material things and then we get hung up and say, God, I need, I need, I need. Can I tell you that even, even uh, 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 now there are people, true people that suffer in poverty, even in America here, obviously. But 
even when we're poor and we say, God, I need, we walk into church with an $800 cell phone. Is this all right? God, I need, and we go up, we ball our, how, how, how relevant does our prayer, or how deep does our prayer seem? When we got $200 shoes, $800 cell phone, we got all this stuff, and we're coming in saying, God, I need. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not preaching against the stuff. You understand what I'm saying? But what he said was pray. Give us this day our daily bread. It's okay. God, I have enough. If I've got a roof over my head, I'm thankful. Do you know just the fact, it doesn't matter if your shoes come from Walmart. It doesn't matter if your shoes came from Savers. Just the fact that you have shoes on your feet. Do you know that there are people around the world that they don't have the money to buy shoes and if they had the money to buy a pair of shoes, the shoes aren't available where they live. And we take little things for granted. I am so blessed. I am so thankful. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. God also said this is not to be a once a week relationship. This is intended to be an everyday relationship. This is to be a relationship where I acknowledge that God, I need you every day. I need your protection. I need your provision. And every single day I'm coming to him saying, God, it's another day. I know this morning your mercies are new. But God, I'm praying you provide. I'm praying you supply. I'm praying you protect. God, let this be done in my life. So God gives us license and invitation to pray for our needs, but we are not praying as James says, you have not because you ask not, and when you ask, you ask because you're greedy that you may consume it upon your lust. Let's pray for the things that we truly need in our life. God, I need you in my heart. I need you in my family. I need you in my home. Amen. The second thing that we request from God is we come seeking forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses in another place it says. Forgive us our sins, those things that we have. This is, this is a daily prayer. He's already established that by the first request. The second request follows. God, I know I'm human. And I know we make mistakes. And I know we have good intentions. I don't believe, I don't buy into the theology that says because I'm in flesh, I have to sin every day or I'm going to sin every day. I know, I believe through the power of the Holy Ghost that God gives you victory over sin. If you've been born again and you, you're following after the Lord, you don't sin except your flesh wills it. That's what Paul said. The good that I would, I do not, and that which I would not, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he goes on and he answers a rhetorical question. He says, I know. He said, I know the Lord's gonna, going to deliver us. He said, but my flesh, my flesh wars against the Spirit. And if I don't keep my flesh in check, my flesh transgresses. So forgive us our debts. And he immediately ties the request for forgiveness to forgiveness of others as we forgive our debtors. Now, had the debtors come and ask for forgiveness, it's irrelevant. Now, I think people have to make things right. People have to uh, 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 do things in life to make things right. But, but we need to have a forgiving spirit in our heart. 
and in our life. This is so critical, so important. We need to talk about this some more at a later time. But forgive us our debts. Every day you ought to be praying, God, forgive me. Lord, help me. Help me. Because if you don't pray, God, forgive me, you're going to have a hard time forgiving people that day. Amen? Amen? But when when you are face to face, how many need forgiveness on a daily basis? Amen. I need forgiveness. And the world's full of a, 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 a lot of crazy people, a lot of frustrating people. But I handle life a lot easier and I deal with those frustrating people a lot easier when I realize I'm one of those frustrating people. Amen? Pastor Ron Mullings in California wrote, wrote a great book. It's titled, People Are Pitiful and We're All People. And that's a healthy reminder for who we are. Forgive us, Lord. The third thing he asks, the third thing he requests is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the Lord will never lead you into temptation. So you can't say, well, well, the Lord tempted me. No, no, God doesn't tempt his people in that sense. He does not tempt us uh, uh, in the context of leading us into immoral temptation or whatever. But he's saying, God, lead us not in temptation. As as you are ordering our lives, as you are leading us here, as we're following you, keep us. So we could say this, keep us, keep us. And how many know he is the keeper of our soul? He's the keeper of our spirit. So he's now invoking this. God, keep us, deliver us from evil. Deliver me not only from evil and iniquity, but deliver me from evil effects of the world. I I can pray, God, deliver us this day. Don't let anything come against my family. Protect my children. Protect my spouse. Protect my home. Protect my life. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Have you ever felt, I'll I'll never forget, it's it's been several years ago now, probably about seven or eight years ago, my wife and I were leaving Indianapolis. We were going to a minister's conference, and we couldn't get there for the first night. We were leaving late. She was working a, a, a special event downtown. Um, and she was working, um, and I had to pick her up, and I think I picked her up about 10 o'clock at night, and then we were going to get on the road. We were going to drive about, I think it was about four hours. We were going to get there about 2 a.m., and that evening, probably about 7 o'clock, I just had this weird feeling. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to say, just this sixth sense and feeling just in my gut, and just, man, it would not leave me. It was a burden. It was heavy, and I was praying, God, What's going on here? I, I, mean, I was in India. I was walking around the house. Okay, I don't understand this. Nine o'clock, it got stronger. It was so strong that as I'm packing up and I'm loading up all of our stuff and I was going to pick her up downtown and we were going to head straight out. We were driving to Michigan. And I'm loading the car and I'm thinking, man, this just does not, something is not right. And I, I did everything I knew to do. I got down. Okay, God, is there something in me? I prayed, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. Lord, let my heart be right. Let if there's anything I'm forgetting, Lord, if there's anything I'm missing, Lord, show me, lead me. And I picked her up. She got in the truck and I said, babe, I don't know what it is. I have, I have this worse feeling, this sensation, this weird feeling. And I said, we've got to pray. I don't know what it is. I don't know if somebody has passed. I don't know if, I don't know what it is. And I, we started praying, just interceding. Didn't even know what it was, but I could feel it in my spirit. There was a sensitivity there. We were driving down the road. We were going, I think we were on I-65. We were driving up the, up the road, and all of a sudden, 
out of the middle of nowhere comes this massive buck, and he jumps out of the middle of the, uh, what do you, the median of the interstate was wooded there. And he jumps out right in front of our truck, and I slam on the brakes, and you know, just barely missing him, and go by. And the moment that that was gone, I don't know, I don't know how to describe this, but the moment that that passed, there was a release immediately. It was like. It was like a burden had lifted. Everything had broken in that moment. I don't know how to describe. I don't know what the Lord was doing. But all I know is I felt something strong in my spirit. And I began praying, God provide whatever it is. God, I'm submitting. God, put your angels about us. Help us, whatever it is, show us, lead us. And in that moment, I immediately was like, we, we panic. You know how you do in those moments. You panic, a near miss. If you've ever had a near miss accident. Oh, and immediately I said, that was it. That was it. That was what we were praying for. I said, isn't this? Now, somebody could say, you are out of your mind. You are absolutely crazy. It sounds crazy, but I'm going to tell you, in practice, that's happened more times than once in my life. And we can pray that God lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let your will be done in my life. Whatever your purpose is, let your will be done in my life. Can somebody say amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen, amen. 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 Absolutely. And here the Lord is giving us this exact thing of how to handle that. So next time that happens to you, and, and, and I'm sure most of you could identify and say, hey, I've felt that before. And I, you know what I also pray? I pray, God, number one, let me be sensitive enough. That I do feel that in life. Because I don't want to go through life and have one of these episodes where I'm so numb to the Spirit that I can't feel that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's go on. We hasten on tonight. And we go to three praises for Him. Three praises for Him. And those three praises are this. For thine is the kingdom. And He, he lumps them together. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So each of the three. Thine is the kingdom forever. Thine is the power forever, and thine is the glory forever. Those are three praises for Him. So we close out the prayer by acknowledging, Thine is the kingdom forever. Now He started it out saying, God, I'm praying Your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. But what He closes out in saying, You know what? I acknowledge that Your kingdom's the only kingdom that's going to last anyways. That man's kingdom's going to... Is, is going to pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the Word of God's going to be standing. It's the Lord's kingdom that's never going to be defeated. It's God's kingdom that's going to reign supreme. That's why I can live in a dark world and have faith. Because I know that the Hitlers of the world and whoever else you want to fill in the blank and all the iniquity and all the wickedness of the world, that is going to pass away. And someday... The Lord is going to return, and when He returns, He's going to settle the score. And righteousness shall prevail. Amen. And the wicked shall cease their troubling, and the weary shall be at rest. Amen. And all that's going to pass. Thy kingdom forever. So I'm praising God. I'm praising Him. Even though I may be living in an earthly kingdom, I'm giving glory to the, to the kingdom of God that's going to reign supreme forever. So you praise God in that manner. When you're praising God in that way, it's hard to have doubt 
and despair in this world. Hello? Because His kingdom reigns forever. When you know that and you praise God for that, hey, I'm not worried about all this. Now, I don't want to live in warfare and all that stuff. I get that. But ultimately, God is taking care of everything. The second thing, amen, He says, Thine is the power forever. It's your power. It's your power alone. Amen? Everything that I do, everything that I accomplish, it's not going to be my power. It's going to be your power. I need the strength of God in my life. Christianity teaches us, well, Christianity as a whole, the Word of God, the Kingdom of God, teaches us that when we come to God, we come to Him and we are weak. And we acknowledge that weakness and it's His strength working in us. Be careful that a pseudo-Christianity doesn't come along championing our fleshly strengths. No, you've got to be weak. He said to come in the kingdom, you've got to be as a child. A child needing help. Luca can't even open his own Laura bars. He knows where they are. He knows he wants them. But he's got to have help opening the closet door. And then he's got to have help opening the Laura bar. Here it is, Dad. Here it is, Dad. Well, most of the time he calls me mom. Mom is the universal word for food, anybody that he's close to, and anything you want. Mom, 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 mom. I say, no, I'm dad. Mom, mom, dad, mom, mom, mom. So I shouldn't have said mom because now I'm sorry. Bubba, I'm sorry. It's okay, Luca. Hey, Luca, it's okay. Okay, I forgot he was in here. He was being so good tonight, too. I forgot he was in here. That's horrible. Oh, Lord, help us. Moving right along. Thine is the power forever. So Zerubbabel says, so Zerubbabel says, he says, when you go back to Ezekiel and you build the kingdom, he says, it's not going to be by might, it's not going to be by your powers, but by my spirit. So thine is the power forever. Can I tell you this? There will be no pride in the heart, soul, and mind of the believer. There will be no pride in the heart, mind, and soul of the believer. The believer does not say, well, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. That, that's, that's ridiculous. No. The believer doesn't say, well, well I, I did it. No. I, it was the grace of God. It was the mercy of God that was working through me. Anything that I accomplish, anything that I'm able to do. It was the strength and grace of God. And the third thing, thine is the glory forever. The believer does not seek their own glory, but they seek the glory of God. We don't get up to sing so that people will be wooed by our voice. We get up to sing so that people will be moved to acknowledge and worship the one true living God. We don't get up to preach to entertain people so that we can, we can create mass followings. We get up to declare the word of God that will set the captive free. And we preach the truth because the truth is what's going to make them free. If you're after your own glory, you're going to be, you're going to be tempted at times to, to cut back on the truth. Because the truth hurts. I'd rather preach the truth that hurts than heals than to preach a lie that comforts but kills. Thine is the glory forever. We're seeking the glory of God. Seeking the glory of God in your own life. 
And Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be all glory and honor. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So the glory is to the Lord. And then we close out the prayer. And the very last thing in the prayer is one single word. Amen. And in that word, amen, we close it out with affirmation in God. So we started with declaration of God, three desires to God, three requests from God, three praises for God, and now we finish it with affirmation in God. Amen. Amen. We put an amen on that. It's let it be. Let it be. Amen yields my desire. It yields anything that I'm going to add to it. I'm not adding anything else. It yields, amen, not only does it yield, but it affirms God's word, whatever God's will, amen. We pray thy kingdom come and we pray thy will be done. Can I tell you, be careful when you pray the will of God because the will of God will be contrary to your fleshly will. Amen. But we say amen after we say that because we're affirming, God, your will may not be my will, but I'm going to affirm your will in my life. I affirm the work of God in my life. The amen factor is a powerful thing. The amen factor first given in the Old Testament when Moses was reading the law before they went into the promised land, the Bible says that the men and the women stood on each mountain. Moses would read the law and they would answer back and forth, Amen. Amen. You know what Moses was reading? He was reading, if you don't honor God, God will forsake you. And the people had to say, Amen. If you go back to the ways of the world and the heathens, God's provision will not be with you. And they had to say, Amen. They were amening things, Amen, that were not things that you would necessarily want. They were amening the judgments of God if they did not keep their covenant and their relationship with God. But what they were doing, they were affirming God's word and God's will and God's ways. I'm going to tell you the most powerful thing you can do is to get an amen in your spirit, to get a yes in your heart, to get a let it be, let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Put an amen at the end of every prayer. Put an amen at the end of every day. God, whatever your will, amen in my life. Does that mean I don't have questions? Yes, I have questions. Does that mean there are things I don't understand? Yes, there are things I don't understand. But I know His will is perfect. <laughs> he knows everything. And so I don't need to know it. I don't need to understand it. Can I tell you? That was the whole premise of the book of Job. Job closes out the book. And he says, God, I'm going to take this hand. I'm going to put it on my mouth. And I'm not saying another word because you're a great God. You're a holy God. He got an amen in his spirit. And we've got to have an amen in our heart. Would you stand together with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. And I pray tonight, God.